0: Well, Hebrews 11.1 probably is the, the, the runner-up on what the text has been about for this whole sermon series, but Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and faith is the assurance about what we don't see. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about the gift of doubt, and how we all wrestle with doubt, and the very question of how our doubt can actually help our faith sounds contradictory. The idea that doubt can actually help you grow closer to God, it just doesn't seem to make sense. It's like 1 plus 1 equals 5. It just doesn't... Yeah, that's it. Sweet. Nope, that ain't it. Um, it's black. Y'all be getting out early if I can't find my Bible. All right. Uh, you know, there are doubts that lead us closer to God, and then there are doubts that take us closer, uh, further away from God. And a matter of fact, whatever worried about, or your doubt, or your question, or your struggle, it's not the substance of your struggle that'll determine which way you go. It's actually your response to the struggle. Let me help you understand that. Let's say there's two 12-year-old boys. They see a horrific accident on the bridge, a fatal accident. Uh, One of the boys is Sam. One of the boys' name is Alex. Now, Alex is traumatized by the accident that he sees. I mean, it messes him up. He develops a case of uh, PTSD. I mean, it really messes him up. But his brother, who saw the same accident, uh, well, Sam saw the same accident it affected him but instead of going a different route he became an EMT he drove an ambulance he was the one who would go to the scene to help somebody out so both people saw the same problems they saw the same accident they saw the same struggle but they both went different ways now some person uh, some person could be diagnosed with cancer and it's like the air has been let out of their faith balloon they have no hope. They have no uh, encouragement. They have no confidence that God is going to move. Other people can get that same diagnosis, and somehow or another, they're giving God praise. Somehow or another, they're worshiping God. Even in their, even in their cancer, they're still serving Him and ministering Him. How can two people take a bad, uh, the same situation and go different directions? You see, the exact same question or doubt could lead a person towards God, or the exact same question or doubt could lead a person away from God. Over the last five weeks we 've talked about at least sixteen different truths, and i 'm just going to run these it 's going to take about three minutes, but every one of them are good. If you can remember four or five of them you 're ahead of the game. Number one, what we said is that doubt at its base is nothing more than i don 't know it 's just saying i don 't have all the answers i can 't fill all the the blanks in my life i, I, I can 't do it. The second thing we found out is this: doubt is as common to everyone because of our condition. Everybody will have doubt uh, because you and I we are finite we are not holy. We are, we're finite. We have a beginning and an end and we're anything but holy. Okay. We're imperfect. God, on the other hand, has no beginning and no end. He's perfect and holy and glorious. So with a glorious God and an infinite God dealing with imperfect, finite people, of course, there's going to be doubt. There's going to be that disconnect. The third thing we talked about is this. Just because we don't understand what happens, it doesn't mean that yeah, just because we don't understand something about God, it doesn't make it untrue, and it doesn't mean that God isn't good. Just because we don't understand something, it doesn't mean that God's lying. Number uh, four, the question isn't whether we... De- you couldn't find it, could you? I think somebody came here in the middle of the night and stole my Bible. Did you find it? Oh, man, I can't do that. I can't do it. I have mine marked. Does that sound right? Did you mark it? Give it up for Miss Pam. She's awesome. Taking care of Big Daddy. All right. Uh, Number five. Okay, the question isn't whether we doubt, but it's how we doubt. Number five. Hebrews 11 deals with the tension in between faith and doubt. Your doubt can exist just fine without faith. Your faith actually has to have doubt to exist. You have to have an ability to put your faith in something. Number six, unbelieving doubt isn't simply uh, unbelieving doubt is simply struggling to believe or to know something. There's two different kinds of doubt. There's an unbelieving doubt and there's a believing doubt. An unbelieving doubt doesn't want to hear what you have to say. It's mad at God and it wants to stay mad at God. It's angry and it's going to stay angry. Uh, don't, don't change my mind. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to listen to you. Unbelieving doubt doesn't want to hear a thing about God. It's unwilling to believe and that's where doubt becomes sin. Unbelieving doubt can come sin because it takes you in a different direction. The next thing we talk about, number seven, we are rarely, if ever, are inclined to bring our doubts to God. The reason why we don't like to bring our doubts to God because if we feel uh, like we're doubting Him, we feel guilty. We feel like we're struggling. We feel like we failed Him. So we don't take Him. We don't take those to God. The second thing, the next thing we talked about is oftentimes we'll take our problems to our wife or our husband or our kids or our counselor or our psychiatrist or our preacher but not Jesus. Now, all those things are great, but they're all substitutes. None of them take the place of when we take our doubts to Jesus. Next thing we talked about is this. Uh, the father wasn't a perfect man. He didn't have, he didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, have all the answers, but he operated in faith In spite of the obstacles that he had. He operated in faith in spite of the doubt that he had. The next thing we talked about was this. Jesus is the answer to our doubts. It's not really how, it's not really our actions that matter. Our actions can do this. Our actions can take our doubts. Our actions can take our doubt and point them in the right direction. But it's Jesus who is the answer. He is the one that will give us peace. He's the one that will give us hope and confidence. The next thing we talked about is this. The tone and attitude of the dad towards Jesus are proofs of faith. He didn't say, Jesus, you owe me something. You need to heal my boy. Uh, I've come all this way. You better give it to me. The old boy didn't say that. He came to him humbly, and God moved. Uh, The the, the next thing we talked about is this. I believe, help my unbelief. It's not just a Band-Aid prayer that you throw on your soul whenever it gets a blister. I believe help my unbelief is a prayer that is a paradigm shifter. It is how your faith is built. Yes, you know you believe in God, and yes, you know you are prone to rebel. You know that you're prone to go into unbelief. That's a fact. 13. Jesus loves doubters. He never kicked any of them out. He welcomes doubters. In fact, if you're doubting and you're here in this room, doubters are welcome here, okay? Uh, we just want to we just want to preach the truth to you. We find out that Jesus accepts anyone who comes to him humbly. If you come to Jesus openly and humbly and self-aware, Jesus is going to pick you up. He's going to listen to you. It's the approach, it's the response. Uh, the next thing is this. Jesus won't let you wallow in doubt. He won't let you linger and, and languish in your, in your questions. He will do something with you. He will do something to encourage you. The, la- uh, the last thing we talked about last week is this. Jesus will give you what you need doesn't mean He'll give you what you want. Today, we're going to look at these things. Number one, God can use doubt to lead us to faith. He can use our doubt to grow our faith. Number two, we're going to see how God gives us faith. We can't even create it in our own. We can't reverse engineer it inside of ourselves. God has to give us faith third thing we're going to look at today is that questions and your doubts can open the door for the Holy Spirit to do a new work in your life the last thing we're going to talk about is this humility comes humility comes from staring deeply into the word of God learning more about who he is and learning more about who you are Humility comes by staring intently into the Word of God. How do doubts bring us to a deeper faith? How can we use our doubts and our questions to grow in Christ? Just as there's doubts that erode our faith, there are doubts that can stimulate our faith. There are, there are doubts that can be like a fertilizer to our faith that can help us grow. Uh, it's not the substance of the doubt that makes the difference, though. It's your response, like Alex and Sam. The exact same question or doubt could lead one person closer to God, or the exact same situation can lead another person away from God. So let's talk about how our doubt can help our faith. Number one, I need you to know that doubt begins as neutral. It doesn't begin as bad or good. Doubt typically begins as neutral. It just means I don't know. It just means I don't have the answers or I can't explain why that happened. Doubt is something that begins neither good or bad. It all depends on which direction you take it. Whether you take it with a believing doubt route or whether you take it with an unbelieving doubt route. It's the direction that we take our doubt that determines whether it's unbelieving or whether it's believing. That's what it, unbelieving doubt we take with our doubt, and uh, we, we look a little bit like Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, where God made them this beautiful garden. I so, means you guys can eat anything you want to, but you can't eat from this one tree right here. Don't eat from that tree. That tree right there, keep your dirty paws off of it. Don't mess with it. God turns his back. Adam and Eve says, old man's crazy. That looks good. I'm going to go eat it. We're not going to die. It's all going to be good. I doesn't know what he's talking about. That's unbelieving doubt when you think you know more than God. That's unbelieving doubt when you come across something that God says that you don't like. Or you come across something in the Word of God that you don't understand. Unbelieving doubt will look at that text, it'll look at that question, and it'll say, well, God must be a sham, it must be fake, it must be phony. Unbelieving doubt will take you away from God. It's the the, the arrogance that marks unbelieving doubt. It's the arrogance that says, I know more than you. My way is better than yours. And my agenda is over yours. Unbelieving doubt. Doesn't want to know. Unbelieving doubt doesn't want to be corrected. Unbelieving doubt wants to stay mad at God, angry with God, unless you give me verifiable proof by a peer review paper, I'm not going to believe you. Unbelieving doubt just wants to be mad. Doesn't believe. It wants to be cynical to God. It wants to say, God, you've got some explaining to do. You need to tell me why you let my child die. Why you let my marriage fail. You need to tell me, God, why. Why? Like somehow God's accountable to us. Unbelieving doubt takes that view towards God. Believing doubt, on the other hand, it's not marked with arrogance, it's marked with humility. You're very open about what's going on. You're very, uh, you, you see yourself for who you are. Frailty, sin, fault, struggle, doubt. It begins... Believing doubt begins with "I don't know, God. I don't know why you. I, I don't know why my marriage failed. I don't know why my child died. I don't know why my life is like this. But what I do know is that you're a God who loves me. I know you're a God that never fails and you're a God that never leaves. Lord, I believe, but I need you to help me believe better. Now see what I just did, is I told God about my rotten marriage, my dead babies, I told God about my horrible financial situation, when I'm coming from a state of unbelieving doubt, and I'm angry with God. But when I have believing doubt, I believe, help my unbelief, I'm saying, God, my life is a heck, but you're not. And I believe you. I need you to help me. Same stuff, same problems, same situations. It's all on how you point your doubt after the initial doubt. It's that simple. Where do you put the trajectory of your doubt? Doubt is something that begins as neutral then you take it one way or the other believing doubt is marked primarily with humility when it asks a question from God we're not saying you listen here to me God we're not saying you better mind up when we come to God with believing doubt, we're saying God let me listen to you let me hear what you have to say let me know more about you let me know more about your grace and your goodness When we come to God with a believing doubt, we already assume we don't have all the things together. We don't have all the answers to our question. Believing doubt sees God's Word as the highest authority. This Word of God for a believer who has believing doubt, if this Word says it, it's gospel. What God says about man is true. What God says about himself is true. What God says about gender is true. What God says about murder is true. What God says about the church is true. What God says about himself is true. What God says about the cross is true. What God says about victory is true. What God says about breakthrough and healing and restoration, it's all true. I believe every word of it. With believing doubt, you go to your problem with the Word of God and says, hey, I know that my marriage is crummy and I know my wife doesn't like me or my husband doesn't like me or my my boyfriend doesn't like me or my, my parents doesn't like my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Lord, I know what my situation is. But I know that You told me to honor my mother and father. I know You told me don't be unequally yoked with another believer. I know that You said it's about marriage. We come with these things with a believing doubt with all the struggle with all of the uh, misunderstanding we say God I don't have it all together but I trust you and I know you do church in Mark 9 we encountered the seminal prayer I believe help my unbelief I believe help my unbelief this is the heart of a believing doubt prayer because when you tell God, God, I'm struggling, I'm having doubt, I don't know what to do, I don't have all the answers in my life, I don't know the next move to make. Believing doubt will hold fast to know what it already knows to be true about God, about God's will, it will just hold on to it. Lord, I believe my life is looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, but Lord, I know you're holding me. I'm in your hands. Lord, I know my life is in shambles, but I trust You. As compared to saying, Lord, my life looks like it's going to hell. How dare You do that to me? Different approaches. Same problems. Believing doubt recognizes its own limitations. That it doesn't have everything all together. It knows its own propensity to rebel. It believing doubt knows that it's always barely on the line in between, always between I believe, help my unbelief. It knows that it's prone to go one way or the other. So belief doubt says, God, I need help and I know that you're the only one who can give it to me. Alright, I'm going to wrap this thing up, I think. You can have believing doubt. And it doesn't mean that you're certain about everything. You can have believing doubt and still have questions. But make no mistake about it. Believing doubt is still faith. Believing doubt is still faith. And as your faith grows in certainty over time... It grows because it gains greater understanding of who God is. You know, the longer I travel with the Lord, the more I trust Him. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more I trust Him. The longer I go down this road called life, the more I depend on Him. He's been a beautiful travel companion. Church, your your faith will grow the more you understand about the object of your faith. And His name is Jesus. Your faith will grow the longer you can travel and depend upon Him. And sometimes believing doubt is just reaching and grasping, looking for the truth which we can declare. Lord, I believe You are the Lord God. I believe You are my shepherd. I believe You're my healer. I believe You're my provider. I believe You're my redeemer and my sustainer. Lord, I believe. Man, it's just reinforcing. I believe, but help my unbelief. That's it. Just because you fall short a few times in your faith, man, it doesn't mean that you're a loser. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. It doesn't mean you're a poor Christian. It means you're human. It means you live in a fallen, broken, sin-filled world. Thank God for the Savior. Thank God. Church, sometimes believing doubt is just reaching out for God and saying, Lord, I believe. I don't understand, but I believe. I can't explain it, but I believe. All right. See how this goes, mama? Oh, you did good. In the book of Job, man, dude was awesome. Dude had jack, he had bank, he had a wife, he had kids. He had all the ancient signs of wealth. He had cattle, sheep, goats, llamas, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Had a garage full of cars and things. God goes, Satan came to him, and said, Hey, man, Job, man, if you just let me whack the fire out of him, I bet he'll curse you. God says, No, man, Job's solid. He's a good guy. You think he can do it? Go ahead. Job's life is wiped out. Loses all of his farmland. Loses all of his money. Loses all of his cattle. Loses all of his sheep. Loses all of his llamas. Loses his house, loses all of his kids. I know how this is going to come out when I say it. I just, I want to apologize on the front end. He loses all of his kids, but he keeps his, his wife lives. <laughs> and she is a witch. Okay. All she does, she is not a helper to this guy, okay? She, she, she literally says, and I quote, Why don't you curse God and die? That is not a good wife, okay? You don't say that. Pam, God, God has blessed me with you. This has nothing to do with you. I'm saying some people have not-so-good wives. That's all I'm saying. Long story short, he loses everything but his wife, all right? His flunky friends come over and they basically said, dude, what'd you do? What'd you do to God? Why is he so mad at you? Why'd you sin? What would, what, I mean, what would you do, dude? Job said, bro, I didn't do nothing. And the more his friends are feeding him and asking him what they did. You, you know what? This is what happens. The more people gripe around you, you're more prone to gripe with them. You're right. Why is there bad things that happen to good people? Why is there injustice in the world that seems to go uh, unaccounted for? Why do why do bad things seem to win the day? And he just goes on. Job asks God all these questions, and for three or four chapters, Job does this needles him. And we get to thirty-eight, and God says, "Okay, Job, you've had your fun." Fi- You've asked me all the questions you want to. I feel like I'm on 21 questions. Sit down. Let me ask you a few questions, young man. This is what he says. The Lord answered Job from the storm. He said, who is this that makes my purpose unclear by saying things are not true? Be strong like a man. I'm going to ask you questions and you answer me. Here Job is, nothing but his wife and sores. Job, where were you when I made the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off how big it should be? Surely you know, who Job. Who, What were the earth's foundations set on? And who put the cornerstone in place, Job? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted with joy, Who shut the doors to keep the seed when it broke through and was born? When I made the clouds like a coat for the sea and wrapped it in dark clothes. When I put limits on the sea and put its doors and bars in place. When I said to the sea, you may come this far but no further. Where were you? Where were you when I tell the lightning bolts where they should go? Where are you when I tell the sun, When I tell the sky to let it snow on the ground? Where are you when I tell the sun to come up? Where are you when I tell the stars to come out? Where are you when I tell Orion's belt where to set? Where are you when I tell the little dipper where to go? But who are you, Job? Who are you to question me? And I'm going to tell you what. You get to the end of that uh, blitzing five chapters that God gives Job, and this is what Job says. He doesn't argue or anything. He, this is all he says, and you can look it up. He says, Lord, I am unworthy. Let me just put my hand. That's what Job does. And you know why? Because he saw God. And when he saw God, he realized how infinite and and insignificant and how silly and how uninformed and how limited he is in his view. And the only thing he can say to God is, okay... And you know what the thing is, Job didn't see all of God, but he saw enough of God to make him realize, uh, I can't know everything, I can't understand everything because I'm not you. And here's a crazy thing, in that five chapters that Job is blistered by God, do you know how many explanations God gives Job on why he lost his, his kids, his farm, his cattle, his money, his friends, his sanity, his reputation? Do you know how many explanations God gave Job for his life being wiped out and destroyed? Do you know how many answers he gave Job to his questions? (sighs) Nothing. He didn't say, Job, this is why. He didn't say, Job, this is how come. He didn't say, Job, this is the answer. He just said, I am God. You know what Job said? He didn't say, I'll prove it to me. You're no good. He said, I'm sorry, sir. Let me shut up. And I'll just trust you. All my questions, they're still there, but God, so are you. Y'all, I'm not telling you to believe in God blindly. I'm telling you this. Your faith you have in God. Your faith you have in word of God that reveals his nature and his character what you know about him and here's the thing church we can't know everything about God this isn't all there is to know about God but this is what he felt it necessary for us to have this is enough to meet my needs this is enough for me to know about God to give my life to him and to trust him my faith is in him I believe does that mean I always believe nope that's how come I pray Lord help my unbelief now here's a crazy thing how many of y'all got blanks in your life? Where you've got answers that you you had for God, you know. God, why did you fill in the blank? Or God, why do I have fill in the blank? Or God, why did fill in the blank? I don't know why God gives some people cancer and some people not. I don't know why he heals some people of of disease and some not. I don't know. I don't know why God will restore some marriages and some not. I don't know why I let some kids live and some die. And if I take all of those things and all of those blank spaces in my life and I refuse to listen to God and I fuse and I refuse to get the truth from God. What I do as a as a person is I'm cynical and angry and critical of him. If he says something, I disbelieve it. If he says something, I, I don't want any part of it. If I operate with believing doubt, I'm fully aware that there are I don't understand. But I understand enough about you, God, that I know that you're going to take care of me. This is what our faith does, church. All those blank spots in our life that we don't have answers for, that our mind cannot come up with an answer or an explanation to fill in that, pe- that blank. Our mind can't figure up why it happened. This is the beautiful thing about faith. Your faith will fill in all the blank spots in your life that your mind does not have the answers to feel. Your faith will fill in the answers, the blank spaces in your life that your mind does not have the answers to put there. If I could ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. I want you to think this morning about maybe some of the wrong approaches you've been taking with your doubt. Maybe you've allowed your doubt to consume you, put you further away from God. Maybe you've allowed your doubt to... Maybe you allowed your doubt to put a wedge in between you. And maybe even now, you're just going through the motions. You're, you're doing what you think a Christian should do. You're supposed to go to church. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. But inside, you're just as cold and you're just as dry and just as hurt and raw. But today, you want to take that unbelieving doubt and you want to convert it over to believing doubt. You just want to come to God and say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers to the questions that I have. I I can't figure it out. Explain it. I'm tired of being mad at you. I'm tired of being angry with you. I'm tired of being cynical. I'm tired of challenging you. I believe. Help my unbelief. Church, if you would, is if you would stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to think about your. I want you to think about your faith situation with God. If you, if you had to give an answer today to which one of those, which one of those doubt do you typically and. Work in? Is it a believing doubt or is it an unbelieving doubt? Man, wouldn't it be great to operate a little bit more in that, in that believing type of doubt that grows your faith, that brings you closer to God, that lets you go through a situation, not understand it or know all the answers, but you know the one who's running the show and his name is God and you trust him. Y'all, in a moment, I'm going to give you this invitation. I encourage you to come forward because some of you need to say, God, I've been, I've been doubting all wrong. I've been doubting like, a, like an unbeliever. I've been doubting like a lost person. I've been doubting, and, and it's been leading me to sin. But God today preached to me something, and I, I get it. There's a light that came off. There's a light that went on in my head. I get it now, Lord. I'm going to take all my doubts, and I'm going to run towards you. I'm going to take all my questions, and I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to learn from you. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to embrace you. Man, today, sir or madam, student, maybe you need to just bring on un- Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. Point it to the cross. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your love and your grace and your mercy and your glory would fill this room now in the invitation. Lord, call those that you want to call to a deeper deeper relationship with You. And it's in Your name that I pray.